Welcome to the Direct Response Marketing Magic Podcast. Seth Green is a five-time best-selling author, speaker, and nationally recognized direct response marketing expert who is CEO of one of the fastest-growing direct response marketing firms in the country. To get free access to a download of his new book, Podcast Marketing Magic, and a free live training webinar that will show you how you can use a podcast to attract new customers and referrals like magic, simply register at www.ultimatemarketingmagician.com. On the podcast, Seth brings together some of the most cutting-edge thought leaders in the world to share with you how they grow their businesses and how you can too. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. marketing guy is my dad. First, he helps people with with marketing magic. Next, if you need marketing help, he will help you. Finally, if he is a match marketer, my dad is the best. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be interviewing Nick Alec of NickInSpace.com. Nick is the founder and CEO of the Financial Freedom Institute, Money Masters Global, and co-founder of the Intelligence Group of Companies. He is a global wealth strategist, successful entrepreneur, international speaker, and has lived in the International Space Station as a private space explorer and had lunch on the deck of the Titanic in a submarine. The thrillionaire, Nick Halleck, thank you so much for joining us today. Seth, how are you, my friend? I am awesome. Glad to have you on the show. Um, to make you the adventurer and the entrepreneur that you are today, what was your childhood like? Uh, well, uh, my story, I guess, will provide, I guess, the inspiration and you know, the vision. Um, medically confined to my bedroom, you know, like that pharmaceutically addicted, uh, born in a plastic bubble type lifestyle. Uh, never really joined academia to about age 10. So for me, it was just that 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 grind, um, battling with my house. Um, you know, I was placed in an incubator for the first few months of my life. So I've always had a lot of things going against me. And, um, you know, what really um, brought me to uh, declare war on the pharmaceutical world and declare war on negativity in the hospitals and the doctors was that um, I, I had to change the landscape of my life. And that decision was purely mine to be made. And... Um, I wasn't, gonna, I wasn't going to allow somebody else's opinion to define my reality. And I, I drafted my screenplay, which has now become my top 10 list of goals that now has um, pretty much been my major pursuit for the last 32 years of my life. That is absolutely incredible. How did you get started in business? Well, my original inspiration was, uh, you know, both my parents were um, uh, illiterate immigrants who had migrated to another country from Europe. Um, you know, I'm made in Greece. I was raised in Australia. And, um, you know, my parents, um, I would probably see my father one week of every month. My father was, his, uh, was a truck driver um, driving up and down the coast, laying concrete. 
And my mother was um, working at Toyota back in those days. It was almost like a sweatshop. She was doing about 13 hour, 13 hour days, six days a week. So I never, really got, I never really got to see my parents growing up. My sisters were the ones who raised me. And uh, I guess it was my, my, my main um, model of the world, I guess, uh, to financially liberate my parents. And um, for me, it was what can I do to um, emancipate and provide that liberty and freedom for them? And um, that, was my, that was my incentive there, to, to um, go into business. And what was the first business? My first business at age 14 was a um, music school. I opened up the note-for-note uh, note guitar clinic. And, um, you know, this is pretty awesome. It was, it was an amazing. It was my first time business. I had no idea what I was doing. But, um, you know, it's like I, I, had, I had a very unique skill. Um, I was very, very passionate about it. And there was a strong demand in the marketplace. And uh, I think that's, you got to, whatever you do in life, you've got to find the best intersection between skill, passion, and market demand. And I found my sweet spot. And um, guitar, uh, music, and teaching guitar was that sweet spot. So I advertised at some of the other local music stores. And uh, we literally within about four weeks, I had 20 students. I was charging $25 an hour, which was pretty crazy back then. And, um, and, and the reason why I charged $25 an hour, see, the going lessons were about $15 back in the day. Now, I'm 14. And the reason why I charged $25 was I inherited a special skill from my father's um, if you want to call it the other gene- genealogy pool. I mean, my father had perfect pitch for music. And um, by default, I also developed perfect pitch and I further refined it. Perfect pitch allowed me to transcribe uh, guitar solos from be it, you know, uh, Led Zeppelin or Van Halen or Gary Moore, all these musical artists. So I was able to transcribe a note for note, listen, and this is back in the days of vinyl records and tape cassettes, and then teach it to my students. Hence, I had official skill, and then I charged twenty-five dollars an hour. So that was my first business. And then, how did you get from that to the global companies? That I, I, I know the longer version obviously fills the book, but the, how yeah. did you get from that to what you're to, to the amazing businesses you're running in different industries now? Okay, so um, so I started the Nightingale Guitar Clinic when I was about age fourteen. At age fifteen, I discovered Leverage, and I employed five other music teachers. And we were charging $25, I was paying my music teachers $10, and I was pocketing $15 of, it, of every lesson the teachers taught. So from my early uh, days at age 14, then discovering leverage at 15, I sold that business for $30,000 when I was 17. And with 30 grand, I moved to Hollywood, California uh, to look for a band, to, to, to basically become a rock star, join a touring band, get signed up and just tour around the world had a lot of fun, met a lot of women. <laughs> that was like the goal back then. It was like just meet girls, make a lot of money so I can uh, send money back to my folks and just see the world. And um, I found myself in the United States. So really, I, I haven't really had a J-O-B, if you want to call it. I've always been, um, you know, I've hustled, you know, so sweat equity out there. I've just been an entrepreneur from day one. And um, one thing led to another. I, I, I joined a rock band. We got signed up. We toured around the world for about um, you know over a, over a decade. Um, I developed a two to one uh, passive income ratio because eight percent of my investments, eight uh, percent of my uh, my revenue was going towards properties and um, sending money back home to my mum and dad so they can retire. 
and uh, I was living off the other 20%. But I managed to buy a lot of investment properties. And uh, it was in 1998 that I left the music industry. I took two years off my life, a sabbatical, and just became this uh, vagabond, this cyber gypsy, traversing the planet. And then in uh, the year 2000, I resurfaced and declared that I would be a, a full-time businessman. And how did you end up eating lunch on the deck of the Titanic? Okay, wonderful of you. So, you know, I, I amassed a lot of properties in the 1990s up until I left the music industry in 1998. And um, I started utilizing a lot of that leverage uh, of my property investments. I was involved in the financial markets. Uh, this, is before I, uh, this is before me going online. I actually went online for the very first time in 2002. So this is the year 2000. Um, so what I did was um, in 2000, in the early 2000s, um, I went to Moscow, Russia, uh, to fulfill a boyhood dream of becoming an astronaut. Now, I originally approached NASA, who basically scoffed at the idea because I had no uh, university credentials, I had no qualifications. I certainly didn't, I certainly didn't have any letters after my name. Uh, instead, I found the, the backdoor entrance, which was going for the Russians who were more interested in how many zeros after my name. And it was through the Russians, uh, I joined the Russian space program, but it was also for the Russians and my networking with the Russian government that I managed to secure a voyage in a, in a Russian, in a Soviet-style pressurized biosphere um, to dive down to the bow of the Titanic and fulfill one of my boyhood dreams was actually on my one original, my original goals, which was to have lunch on the bow of the shipwreck Titanic, five miles deep. It takes four hours to get all the way down to the very bottom of the North Atlantic Ocean. And let me tell you, that was probably a, a really surreal experience, and I'll tell you why. Not so much of the Titanic, but the fact that the Titanic is surrounded by hundreds and pieces of luggage. And this is the luggage of the immigrants who were fleeing the old world, going, um, like traveling to the new world. And my parents came to Australia by boat. They were immigrants as well. And uh, just to see all those suitcases, you know, that brought a tear to my eye because I, I, could just, I, I just thought about my parents, you know. It's like, and you've got to think too, Seth, these suitcases were made out of leather back in the day, and leather does not decompose. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Just incredibly surreal, my friend. And... Uh, and by default, I got, I got to uh, fulfill one of my boyhood dreams was to have lunch on the Titanic. And um, we were on the bow, just where Captain Smith once um, had his hands in that world, you know, in the deck there. But um, truly surreal and, and an amazing experience, really beautiful experience. That is absolutely incredible. What do you wish you knew when you started that you know now? Well, geez. Um, I, I, would have, I would have left home sooner. I mean, I was 17 when I left home. Um, you see, I would have loved to have traveled. See, my, my parents didn't have the money for us to travel. I mean, we never left, um, you know, well, I was raised in Melbourne. I never, really, I never really left the state of Victoria, which is kind of like California, I guess. So for me, I just, I, I had this longing to travel. And the reason why I've had this longing to travel was because for the first 10 years, I was pretty much medically confined to my bedroom. And all I had was two windows that I would gaze out as a young lad, as a young boy, and stare at the lunar surface of the moon. Um, my sisters, I would always command them to go to the uh, shopping center 
and bring back all these travel brochures about countries around the world. You know, there was this mosaic of catalogs and travel books, this kaleidoscope of adventures that was basically awaiting me outside my bedroom walls. And, um, you know, it was, I guess, I wish, if only I set out and traveled at age 14. Mind you, it was a little bit difficult, didn't have the capital. My parents obviously would not have allowed me to, but when I was 17, I had the financial capital to um, change the American dream, and um, I moved to Hollywood, California. What has been one of your biggest big business challenges, and how did you overcome it? Uh, the biggest business challenges was uh, obviously uh, uh, developing more streams of cash flow because um, I, I had amassed so much property that the banks stopped lending me money. They thought I was overly geared. And uh, you see, uh, here's the crazy thing. A lot of people fear debt. I love debt. The more debt, bring it on. You know, because debt creates wealth. Because when I acquire real estate, for example, the profits and the purchase. And, you know, I've, I've developed some, you know, economic cycles and, um, you know, implied uh, and fundamental and technical um, uh, indicators to help me make my decisions, I guess. So for me, the biggest decision was how to generate more cash flow outside of property, for example, because property was giving me really good capital growth and it was basically serving to the mortgages, but I wanted additional cash flow where I could monetary arbitrage. So for me, it was just coming up with further ideas to develop more cash flow streams. And, you know, I, 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 started, I started doing that by acquiring, um, you know, businesses that were basically hemorrhaging in debt. I was buying businesses that I was able to, like, restructure, change the personnel of the company, and just rebuild it and value factor by adding more value to the product and the services and, and generating more leads for the businesses. And from there, I started looking at other cash flow means to generate more cash flow, to buy more real estate, borrow against the, borrow against the equity in the properties over here, then utilize the bank's money, and then recycle the bank's money to go back into other strategies over here. So I got to a point where I was able to recycle the bank's money that they were loaning me, and I was arbitraging the bank's money to make 20 or 30% returns, where the bank was only charging me 3 4 or 5% interest rate for the year. That is awesome. What is What do you like best about your business now, your businesses now? Um, well, I have a lot more control, and there's a lot more consistency, and you know, I have some very simple rules when it comes to business. I mean, I want to be in control. I don't want to be reliant on anybody but myself. And the individuals that I do bring to my organizations, I find good quarterbacks. So, for example, if I'm looking at a business and it's a cash cow, I will maintain that business, but I don't work in that business. I will not operate the day-to-day um, admin you know, element of it. I will always find a good quarterback to run the business, somebody that I've trained up, a good quarterback, they run the business, and what I do is I give them performance targets and performance metrics, and then I give them equity in the business. Now they've been incentivized, and now they've got some monetary skin in the game, and they work it as if it's their own business. On the other side, I build brands that I build, and within three, four years, I sell them. So I build businesses for constant cash flow, but I build brands to sell. I never keep a brand. I'll always build it, generate an income, based on recurring volume or recurring contracts, then I sell that brand, uh, usually on a multiple of three or four, if you work in the multiples. What is the best advice you've ever gotten? <laughs> Make dissatisfaction work for you. My father taught me that at a very, very young age. I had no idea what he, what he meant at the time, 
And, um, you know, I, it, it finally dawned on me, and it was like a paradigm shift. I would have been about age 15. Make this satisfaction work for you. In other words, um, never be complacent. Um, always raise the ante, raise the bar, raise, you know, just give yourself permission to succeed and cut every sign of retreat and never be satisfied. I mean, never rest in your lows. Always be, you know, always be hungry, always be ambitious, always have that drive because capitalism will always reward those who have ambition and drive and enthusiasm and are willing to sacrifice. You see, I don't discriminate between weekdays, weekends or public holidays. Every day is a day of opportunity. You know, but then again, I know people who love and take their Saturdays and their Sundays off and they do absolutely nothing during the week. You know, so it just drives me crazy. So for me, it's like, you know, if you're going to go out there, make it count because, you know, life's running out. You can't buy back time. Even Warren Buffett can't buy back time. You know, you're going to go out there because ultimately you have to look yourself in the mirror and respect yourself and just make a conscious decision to change the polarity of every negative circumstance in your life. You said so many things. I, I'm trying to keep up in my notes. There's so many good writer downers in that in that answer. Uh, with all the amazing success you've achieved, uh, what's your biggest challenge now? My biggest challenge, well, is, you know, look, I, I'm a big believer of the power of no. Um, I don't believe in the power of yes. I don't believe in all that, um, you know, woman fuzzy, fur fluff, any yes energy crap. I, I believe in the power of no. Uh, but sometimes my, my biggest um, hurdles is um, we are obligated to uh, a close friend because you're emotionally obligated as opposed to using uh, fiscal sense or fiscal logic. And uh, it's a problem that a lot of individuals have, you know, where, um, you know, you, you take time out of your schedule to assist somebody, for example, and uh, you know they're not going to take massive action with it. And I'm very, very specific these days. I mean, I will only work with individuals who, um, you know, they've got to be pre-qualified and they've got to be, you know, they've got to be predicated on the sense that, um, you know, I, I, I filter my time and I guard my time a lot more closely these days than what I did three, four, five, or even 10 years ago. Yeah, I really want to help those who who um, had that desire, that, that first one knowledge, you know, those individuals who, um, you know, that, who are going to spring out of bed and just go out there and sacrifice them and just put themselves on the offensive with life and what have you. So, you know, their forehand on life's backhand, they're the people that I now have time for. That is a great answer. You've had lunch on the Titanic. You've lived in space. What's left on your bucket list? Well, there's been a lot of things. Um, in a couple of weeks' time, I'm actually um, conducting a mastermind in a um, in a live erupting volcano, and I'll be doing um, a, I'll be doing a, 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 I will be performing a crazy feat while I'm there. Um, we're going to be rappelling down into inside of a live active volcano, and we're going to camp overnight um, next to the lava lake, which is which will be a first uh, for history kind of thing. So I'm hanging out. Uh, it's going to be as crazy as all things. Um, you know, it's, some people may consider that to be incredibly risky. Then again, I, you know, if you're working five days a week, um, that is very risky behavior as far as that's concerned. But uh, I'm always doing something crazy, man, whether it's um, jumping off Mount Everest on my birthday and doing a halo jump or whether it's um, 
you know, repelling inside live volcanoes or, or climbing one mile below the Earth's surface into caves made out of crystals where the temperature is about 170 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, for me, I love remote, exotic regions of the world. And that's what I, I think that's probably what puts a smile on my face, you know. Seth, I've been to 138 countries now. And according to the United Nations, I have 56 more countries. And then I've done the entire planet. But um, that's me. I'm a, you know, uh, I'm a transient. You know, I'm traveling. You know, and I'm able to generate an income and work on my businesses because my my cell phone is my baton. I'm the conductor of an orchestra. I don't want to be in the orchestra pit like a musician. You know, I'm the conductor. My baton is my is my laptop and my cell phone, and I can be anywhere worldwide to conduct business. And even if I'm in a remote region where there's no cell signal. I've got my satellite phone, so I'm always in contact with the outside world. And, you know, I have good project managers. I have good quarterbacks. And for me, I'm a creator. I create businesses. I'm a visionary. I have the ideas and the concepts. And I know how to strategize and, and be practical and execute these ideas because excellence is the commitment to completion, the commitment to completion, and I do whatever it takes. So I'm very tactical. So that's what really drives me in my life and in my quest as I go from country to country to country. Absolutely incredible story, incredible journey, amazing interview. We greatly appreciate your incredibly valuable time. Um, what is the best place for our, our listeners to go to learn more about you? Do you want to send them to Nick in Space, or should we send them somewhere well, else? Well, I mean, look, there's about 100 different websites out there on, um, on, on the web. The easy thing is, friend me on Facebook. You know, one thing is, um, I'm very humble. There's no ego. I love to add value. I'm all about value factoring lives and uh, providing, you know, fiscal logic, giving you ideas and concepts in relation to whatever you're pursuing in your life. So bring me on Facebook and, um, yeah, it's just very easy on social media these days. But, Seth, I want to appreciate your time um, for, you know, uh, exposing to your, um, your tribe. And it's been a pleasure to um, enlighten and um, share some, some stories about my life. All right. Thank you so much. We greatly appreciate it. Seth, my pleasure. Enjoy. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.